Alright, so I teed up this Leafs game going into the break, and I forgot to mention a pretty major thing. Wayne Simmons might be back today, too. Wayne Simmons. We're all going to jump back on board the Wayne train. Hopefully. Looks like he was trending in the right direction. Jack Campbell's trending in the right direction for this Leafs team. Kind of a lot of news came out of this most recent practice for the Maple Leafs. I think mm -hmm. not insignificantly, too, though, that Frederick Anderson said he's still dealing with an injury, which makes sense. Guy's been banged up all season long. It would certainly coincide nicely with the way his play has gone this season, a nice little reason as to why he once again has a save percentage around 900. Um, Jack Campbell, though, is nearing a return. Be interesting to see how they break up the playing time down the stretch. Yeah, either way, he's only going to play one of these two games, right? Which yep. means that Freddie Anderson will only have played one game in like a week and a half, right? Because the one after today is next Thursday, I believe, against the Senators. So, or sorry, after the back-to-back -back this weekend. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a good little break for him. I still believe the, the big fear continues to be what we discussed with J.S. Jaguar yesterday, which is, is it already too late? Is it something where you can recuperate during the middle of a season and during a stretch run that's still going to see you play a bunch of games? There's also the stuff where we look at it with Freddie Anderson and say, well, maybe he gets a little bit more rest and he's more athletic. Getting a little bit more rest is not going to not He's not going to build a time machine where he goes back to being under 30 years old again. Right? Unless, like, during his rest period, he read a lot of physics books, mm -hmm. watched Back to the Future a couple times, and right. figured out how to Got build a flux capacitor. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, think, then, yeah, you're right. I think he's a good goalie. I think he bears way too much hate, as I've said before. I think he gets overly criticized when he does not perform up to a certain standard, whereas he does not get enough credit when he plays well like he was for the vast majority of the season. I thought he stepped in and played very well against the Senators on last Sunday. But it's it's the story of the second half. Actually, let me just ask you that. What do you think the story of the second half is now? Is it the way this group coalesces and what they add at the deadline, or is it Freddie Anderson? No, it's the first thing. Uh, because I think I know what Freddie Anderson is. Like, he's going through it right now, and he's not this bad. Is he as good as uh, Connor Hellebuck? No. But his bread will be buttered. His narrative will be written once we get through this regular season in that first-round series against whoever, and if he's able to be the better goalie in that in that matchup, or if he even needs to be. Getting out of this North Division is going to tell the Freddie Anderson story. I mean, I don't think he's going to... I think he's going to basically split time with Jack Campbell the rest of the regular season. No, for me, it's who do they get in the next coming days? Where do they slot that person? Also, what's going on with Joe Thornton, who we thought was done on the top line, who's back again skating with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and Zach Hyman back on that third line with Ilya Mikheyev that's looked pretty good. But yeah, he looks good everywhere. What is the plan with Joe Thornton? What is the plan with Wayne Simmons, who's going to go back to that fourth line? Mm -hmm. Freddie Anderson is a story. It's the overarching story that can make or break this Leafs season. But th th I don't – I'm not going to – there's a little bit, I guess, that I can take from the regular season as far as 
anticipating what he's going to do in the postseason, but the story of his season, the story of his Leafs tenure is going to be written in those couple of series to get out of the North Division. Yeah, the only thing is if he plays really poorly and Campbell plays well, maybe he doesn't even get that opportunity. I, I, I think, think that's on the table. I think what you're saying has some merit in that I think Jack Campbell, like I said, could end up splitting these games down the stretch. I still think he gets start in game one of a playoff series, and that's all I'll guarantee him. Because if even if they win that game and he doesn't look overwhelming, like maybe it's Jack Campbell's job to, to lose the rest of the way in the postseason. But I think still at this point, the two guys' peaks, one guy has proven twice, in fact, in his Maple Leafs tenure to be a top 10 Vesna candidate. Once fifth, once tenth. And the other guy hasn't. He's had moments as a starter, but not an extended period of time. We're pretty far removed from that, though, now. Last time he was consistently looking like a Vesna guy was before last year's All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Where he did, but even when he's been, I think, good this season, it hasn't looked quite like that, pretty clearly. So, yeah, I don't think the goaltender is the biggest... He's the biggest individual story, but you're right. It's not bigger than the rest of the team and what they do come deadline time and whether or not they can find a way to unlock a a team where they have two serious lines that roll a, a big portion of the game. I agree. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about half the game being swallowed up by these top two lines, yeah, man, that's... Can this team uh, continue doing that offensively throughout this uh, regular season and then into the postseason? But yeah, no. It's ultimately going to come down to whether Freddie Anderson's good enough to win a playoff series, whether this team gets out of the North Division. All right, Anthony Stewart is there. He's done terrifying us with gifts. He's putting Connor McDavid's face on DJ Khaled. That was terrifying. Didn't enjoy that very much. Had nightmares about it. And here's Anthony Stewart to explain himself. What's going on, Stewie? I'm doing well. Just letting the world know that next time I see J.D. Bunkus, we're probably going to fist fight because I'm uh, driving to get my coffee this morning, and he's talking to me about brackets, and I'm like, what bracket? (laughs) So here I am now in front of my computer picking Georgetown to win the national championship, just making a donation to whatever fund that this bracket's all about. (laughs) Okay. Okay, but this is what we wanted to do. Um, How did you come about the Georgetown pick? Because that's what we want to do today is break down. I clicked a button and I said, I like Patrick Ewing. And then I I like Patrick Ewing. Okay, I like Patrick Ewing. I like Patrick Ewing. Yeah, I like Patrick Ewing. So that's basically how I I filled out my bracket. I like it. They're coming in hot. No, I like it. You know what? I, I will give you the most praise. Um, because JD was talking about how do we get this company, how do we get this radio station more involved in in Lance Kennedy's bracket? It's like who is the captain of Sportsnet 590, the fan? Who's the guy that's going to rally the troops? And JD Bunkus said your name first and foremost. You are the leader. You're our you're that's our spiritual true. leader. I tried every excuse to try to get out of it. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of busy. And he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I don't really know much about basketball. He's like, well, no one does. I'm like, uh, yeah. I got nobody. He's like, you're a squid. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a $20 pool. You know what, though? I think that's a really uh, a real badge of honor, though, that we, we threw the ball around and asked, who's the glue guy at the station right now? Who's the guy that if he said, hey, everybody, we're doing this thing, that he would bring everyone else in on it? And it's you. You were the guy that we we nominated. We gave the first overall pick to. So congratulations, sir. You're one seat. Thank you. Well, let me know if you need me to collect the twenty dollars. Let me know if you need me to collect the twenty dollars because I was the fine master in Carolina, and I actually would show up at guys' house and be like, "Hey, like you owe the fund like two grand. Like I need it now." Can I write a check? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can write a check. Let's go. I need the money. Let's go. <laughs> we got a team party coming up. <laughs> don't, don't uh, fist fight me. Uh, now I'm, I'm rooting for the pandemic. Uh, I'm like those writers who only write about the variants. I'm the same guy. Like, Did you see this latest variant? I don't know, man. It says outside. If you're even 20 feet apart, you can't be around anybody. So just stay away from me, Stewie. I, I've worn your jacket. I know I can't fill those shoes. I, I've also seen the Quebec Fight League YouTube video. So. I'm good on that, buddy. Okay. Um, speaking of fights, are you going to guarantee Wayne Simmons is back this weekend for us? I can't confirm nor deny because if that information gets out, everyone's going to know it's me because it's my buddy. And yeah, well, we again, asked, we honestly, yeah. we chat every day, but it's just us yeah. sending stupid yeah, memes to a group chat from Six Buzz or, or yeah. in the Six. So we don't talk business. We usually talk uh, everything but that too. But he is close. I can say that he is close to coming back. Yeah, man. This team yeah, is I love how you're like, severe. they're going to know it's me. Yeah, we just said it's Anthony Stewart yeah. on the show today. <laughs> hey, Stewie, how you doing? What's going on, Stewie? Hey, Stewie, is Wade Simmons come back? You, the, if this isn't the meme of you sitting in the mask at the computer. This is just you, you know, that we asked you point blank. Yeah, they, we would know if it was you. Uh, just So he's close. Great. Oh, fine. So you're not even going to give us a little hint. Like... All right, it, is it a is it a day that starts with an S that he comes back? You know, is it? It's clues? a day that ends in a day. How about that? Okay, oh, that's good. good. <laughs> He's close, guys. He's close. Yeah. Well, I imagine the conditioning is great, right? Like we were talking about a wrist injury, and he's been skating, and we know he's like in crazy, crazy shape. But yeah, being out of out of uh, out of the game for a while, like where. How long do you think it'll take for him to get back to where he was when he left off? Because when he left off, he was he was basically the talk of Leaf fans. Well, he's definitely a beast in the gym, and he's one of those guys where you have zero concerns about his conditioning. You know, he trains with Matt Nickel in the summer, and just the stuff that he's doing, like, he, he could come off the couch and, and beat you in a 100-yard dash easily. So he's one of those guys that can step in. And remember, his game is straight lines. It's going to the net, tipping pucks. So uh, if he was a big toe-drag, high-flying guy, yeah, you'd have some concerns. But, again, I think they're, they're going to do a good job of managing his minutes. And he's one of those guys that you can put him on the first line, second, third, or fourth, and his game doesn't really change. So I think they're going to ease him into it, get him some power play minutes, let him tip some pucks and see how he feels. So I could see him you know, being a little rusty for a game or two, nothing more than that. I feel it. All right. Um, so what is – we just asked each other this question. What is the story that you're looking at for this Leafs team the second half? I mean, we're calling it the second half because it feels like an all-star break, what they just went through these four games. Uh, it, to us, felt like it came down to who they acquire at the deadline or Freddie Anderson. Like, where are you on the story of this Leafs team going forward? Well, I just want to see how they handle that adversity. And they're going through a little bit of a skid now, but 
it wasn't because they were getting outclassed or, or you know teams are coming in just blowing them out of the water it was just they were creeping back into those habits that you know sort of haunted them last year letting in goals in the last minute of a period or you know turnovers at inopportune times bad penalties uh power play you know sort of uh, going a little bit blank so um a lot of these games you can actually say hey this is exactly what the mistake was that cost them the game too and that was the story last year too so i think now with this full week of practice they had a full week off they probably did a lot of video sessions got back into uh you know creating some good habits because when you're not practicing a lot and you're just playing games those those habits can sort of creep in fairly quickly so let's see if they shore <clears throat> sorry excuse me if they shore up those details and get back to those those basics that made them uh you know successful but they're still in first place so the sky is not falling in leafland yeah, it's now. not that bad. I, I did like listening to Dubas at his media availability, though, because he kept... I, one, I thought he was really composed, and I thought he spoke well on the team, but he just kept saying it's another growing opportunity. It's another growing opportunity that they hit that skid. And I I have talked... Maybe it's just the childhood Leaf fan in me that has allowed me to put myself into this position where I keep going, you know what, this is a great time to have adversity. This is the time where you'd want to have a break. It's a time where you would have wanted to had some struggles. But, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that the only reason the team was losing these games is because of Freddie Anderson. I don't think he was helping. I don't think that he was doing his job well enough. But I think, yeah, you're right. There's some spots that they really need to shore up. And right now, it's, yeah, a lot of it is attention to detail. They were clearly making some mistakes that – they cannot give up come playoff time. It's just too important. And two is the special teams, right, where it's the PK has to be better. It's not good enough. It's nowhere near good enough. I think that I was looking this up. They were, I think, either the third or fourth worst penalty kill over the last month. How much of that do you think was Freddie Anderson, and how much of that do you think is the personnel? Because Bourne was kind of advocating on our show earlier in the week that they might need to bring in another guy who does that, and maybe that ends up being something that they're looking at one of these forwards at the deadline. Yeah, I, I could see them adding a, a guy, a depth guy that knows how to kill penalties. But I think, you know, part of the, you know, when they did their video session this past week, a lot of those long shots were going in because guys weren't really in shot lanes. And it's not about blocking shots with your face. It's just that commitment to get in the lane. So a lot of guys are sort of faking it till they make it, whether, hey, I'm sort of in the lane, but I'm not really there. So if you have a goalie that's sort of struggling on these long shots and they're getting these tip pucks, teams are, you know, that's part of their game plan. Hey, let's get a lot of shots from the point. So I think it's the commitment to that defense. Uh, uh, you know, in the zone, you know, and that was a, a symptom last year where they were just ready to blow the zone. They weren't really focusing and stopping and starting. It was like, hey, let's get on the offense as quick as possible. So those are minor details that makes a big difference, you know, come playoff time. And it's going to get harder as the season goes along. So I could see them adding a guy, hey, a penalty kill specialist, a guy that can come in and, you know, win that face off in the defensive zone and, and kill 20 seconds on the PK. So, but I think they really are looking you know, to add that second line winger to play with Tavares and Nylander. But uh, they're going to give Galchenyuk an opportunity to see what he can do. Former 30-goal guy, can he do the job? Uh, time will tell. What are your expectations for him? Because I don't expect him to, like, all of a sudden he's, yeah, that 30-goal guy, and they're like, you know what? Forget it. We don't need we don't need another one of those top six forwards. Uh, call it all off. We don't we don't need to keep burning up the phone lines. Like, what are your expectations for Galchenyuk? Well, I'm not trying to be a joker, but the first thing that popped into mind was the uh, the Mad TV skate sticks, uh, <laughs> skit where it was lowered expectations, and um, I just feel now for Tavares and Nylander because they you know the the media's been on them now for the last couple you know six seven weeks now, and part of it was they don't have a a, a legit you know guy on the left flank there. You know Hyman's 
been up and down there too, but he seems like he's, you know, driving that third line where he's putting up points and getting some power play points as well too. So, um, with Galchaniak, this this is his final stop. So hopefully he's motivated to step up and and put up some points. We, we mentioned I mentioned that he scored thirty goals before too, but it's. It's tough. It's tough to get thrown into the spotlight in Toronto. And here it goes. Here's your second line opportunity. Make the most of it. Uh, any other team, yeah, I can see it working out, but it's just too much pressure because every single shift is being scrutinized and there's a lot of pressure doing that. So I don't wish that on Kelchaniak, but I wish him best of luck, but uh, I don't see it really working out. He's there because that's the spot whoever gets traded to this team is taking. That's it. He's not a part of the Leafs' playoff future. I'm sorry, but it's not happening. You don't go from being a guy on the Marlies to a guy on the second line because you played some good games down in the AHL. And I get that there's this case of, well, if you're going to bring Galchenyuk in the lineup, you don't put him down the lineup, blah, blah, blah. That's what they said about guys like Patan, too. Eventually, that's probably where he ends up if he sticks with this team. Back down the lineup, back down with Spezza, that's where they go. The problem is, is I don't see how that even works because they're probably going to have to bump Joe Thornton down at some point. Where I'm at with this is they they got to start making Zach Hyman a top six guy. They got to keep that going and no more of the third line thing. And I know that it's driven the line and there's been a lot of success there. But where are you at right now with the idea of Zach Hyman third line guy versus Zach Hyman top line guy? Well... You know, for me as a player, if if I'm a passenger on a top six line as opposed to a driver on the third line, I'd rather be the driver on the third line because you can get points and you can drive it and, and, and create opportunities. And that's another thing. He creates his own offense. He doesn't rely on, you know, a Matthews or Martyr to get him the puck. He's the one getting them those pucks. So if you're having success where, you know, you're, you're not getting beaten up defensively and, and you're shutting down other teams' top lines and you're still getting points, I'm like, put me on the fifth line. I don't care as long as I'm getting my opportunities to, to make a... Uh, an impact on the score sheet too and again he's playing for a contract he's due for a raise uh, so as long as that's not really messing with my minutes too much and I'm getting some power play opportunity I would not care which line I'm playing but if I'm Zach Hyman I would say yeah put me back with uh, you know Engvall and Mikheya because I was putting up uh, you know some major numbers there yeah I think he's gonna you know put up his numbers wherever he is and I don't even necessarily think it matters uh to a degree what his numbers are because everybody sees the way he plays and says uh yeah hand that that man his money um so we mentioned the freddie anderson storyline jack campbell we don't know when he's coming i'm not back. done with hyman oh you're not done with hyman? <laughs> let's go what do you got for God, me what are you talking about no i'm not are you done. talking about fives here are we talking about fives or 5.5s what are we talking about here you know it's funny <laughs> i i did a i did a bit like two weeks ago on the show where I was saying how if Alex Kerfoot makes three and a half, then how does he not ask for seven? And classic, the internet took it as though I was trying to report that I thought he was getting the $7 million deal. I don't think he's getting seven. I do think that he's getting around five, and I think he's going to probably crack five. That said, I, I don't know how they make it work. I don't know how they are going to fit him in. It, it looks like it's starting to get tricky. I think that they will get it done. But this is the question. Where do you think he ranks in terms of Leafs' most important players right now? Because I have him ridiculously high. 
I have him probably number three or four, to be honest with you, yeah, too, right? And, and again, last time I did a ranking with Sidney Crosby, uh, third best player of all time, I, I took a beating. I almost didn't recover from Twitter. I almost had to delete my account. But And it, it's not about points. It's just about importance. And, and I'm just thinking about your round two or round three of the playoffs. Who scores that goal when the going gets tough? And everyone thinks in their mind it's a street hockey goal going end-to-end, top shelf. No, it's a guy getting to the net, scoring that dirty goal, that rebound second, third opportunity. And time and time again, when you look at this roster, who that guy is, that's Zach Hyman. Yeah, but he can do the street hockey goal too. Like he did that last game. Like he's mm-hmm. capable also of, of doing that this year because I guess, I don't know, he's been uh, working on his skill this offseason because he looks pretty sure. skilled with the puck. Uh, all right. Are we done with Hyman now? No more Hyman? <laughs> all right. I got a thumbs up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anderson and Campbell, both healthy. What do you want to see this this split look like down the stretch? How many games do you want Campbell to like? Do you want it fifty fifty? How do you how do you want this? Yeah, I could see Hyman coming in. Uh, sorry, not Hyman. Uh, I could see Campbell coming in for that second game too, and especially now with Freddie mentioning he's not a hundred percent. You know, I would see Campbell getting in, but let's not forget for this team to do what they need to do and go to the promised land, it has to be Freddie Anderson. And again, I love Jack Campbell, and you know he's a good goalie of the future, but. Um, Freddie Anderson is the go-to guy in this city, and I don't care. You can pull up his numbers, you can pull up his stat sheet, you can pull up, you know, his 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 Carfax on, and, you know, his driving history. I don't care. In this market, he is the go-to guy too. And again, we'll talk about the extensions or if he's coming or he's going. But they need Freddie Anderson, and they have to find a way to get him going. So I think after this segment, you try to find a way to get him a couple back-to-backs and get him back in his rhythm. But uh, because they need him in the long run. Yeah. They do. I love how we talk about Jack Campbell, a goalie of the future. He's two years younger than Freddie Anderson. He's not like yeah. you know, 22. I know. I know. What a league. What a for league. next season where we go, hey, when you turn 30 years old, you just you lose a step and you're not oh, the same way. But, yeah. but I'll just sum it up with Freddie. And, and when Freddie's gone, that's when you're going to notice how valuable he was to this yes. city. They're going to go, oh, man, we wish we had Freddie Anderson. Well, you guys ran him out of town with Larry Murphy, so it's, you know. Correct. <laughs> Correct. you guys. This has, been the, this has been the right show when it comes to Freddie Anderson on the ledger. I've been saying this from day one that they're not people aren't going to know what they had in Freddie till he's gone look for look at what next year could be Jack Campbell hasn't stayed healthy all year he's not uh exactly Mr. Track Record when it comes to a starting goalie maybe he's good maybe but I think you're still in a timeshare so what but what is the the solution with this roster but what is the solution with this roster oh you know we're gonna now we're gonna get Carey Price in here okay well where are you gonna fit him (laughs) <laughs> no, no. You know, that's, that's we're going to get Darcy Kemper. We're going to get Darcy Kemper and then OEL. Uh, where are no. you going to fit him? Right? Like how? No, you have no chance. <laughs> you have no choice but to go with Jack Campbell. But yeah. You know yeah, you're going to get Thomas Grice or you're going to get Halak. Right. right. They're going to get a <laughs> and guy they're like that. They're going to get out of town. <laughs> yes. They're going to get someone who's a bona fide other half starter or half backup. Have to roll a season potentially with him and Jack Campbell. Maybe this isn't the way it works out. Again, you can't really underestimate Dubas and Brandon Pridham because they just always seem to make these cap gymnastics work. And uh, I do think they probably have uh, some contingency plans outside of those two guys. But, yeah, Freddie Anderson's been pretty good for the Leafs for a long time. And he was good for them again this season. It's just I I don't know how he ends up taking a a decent – one of two scenarios works out, and we talked about it with Kipper yesterday. Either he plays really well this second half, and then he plays well in the playoffs, in which he's looking for something around $6 bucks, and someone will give it to him. 
and that when, in that situation he's gone. Or he plays really poorly, and the Leafs decide they have to pivot and go in a different direction. It, it just, I don't see the scenario where Freddie Anderson comes back. I haven't seen it for a long time. Ben and I have been talking about it for two years. Two years that Freddie Anderson was never going to be the Leafs goaltender moving past this, this contract. And so, yeah, it's legacy time. It's all of these big, grandiose takes. I just hope that he's able to, A, have the athleticism still in the tank and the health to be able to make these saves would be that he's mentally strong enough to endure all of this because it's a lot of pressure on his shoulders, dude. This is the best Leafs team. This is their best opportunity. He's getting older. He's not the same guy he used to be, and he has to know that he is going to be the scapegoat forever if if he blows this. And, and I would have to think that's such an added component to it that we don't discuss enough. Yeah, and that's what I talk about with this market now. And that's why I say he's the best goalie for this market. Because just look at it. You know, someone had the, the crease for last year for a bit. And within one start, they already had a hot mic topic where it's like, you know, they jumped all over him. And he's been here for a while now. And he hasn't really had any controversy or any dust-ups with the media. Just think of now if you bring in another guy that's going to get testy, they will eat him alive. And that is part of it in this market, being able to deal with the pressure and the media and, you know, us talking about it every two seconds too. So I think he's been amazing in that uh, in that right and you can't discount that part the pressure and, and, and of being in this market that's a fact I don't care what anybody says there's no heat map spray chart bar graph um, analytics test that uh, measures that with when it comes to goaltending in the city yeah yeah we can't look at his gar whatever that is alright Stewie gar. <laughs> good, gar, good gar gar says Hyman's not better than uh, Alex Kerfoot just so you know yeah. when you're watching these games I know you don't really get that but now you know you know yeah Mm-hmm. Thanks, yeah. thanks, right. guys. No, <laughs> thank you for terrifying all of us with your gifts. Like, yeah, well done. Uh, Another see, one. Just do what I do and mute them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks see for having me. Go Leafs, go. All right. <laughs> Anthony Stewart, uh, our pal. The only guy. I don't even say that on our shows. Go Leafs, go. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he says it facetiously, obviously, but even still, every time he says it, it gets me. I do love it. So, yeah, yeah we've got – this thing is hurtling forward, and so we just keep wanting to know when it's going to happen. I, I, I think I said to you on the phone yesterday – this reeks of as soon as the show ends, as soon as yes. we crack our no, first beer to sit down for March Madness. Four today. Yeah, the Leafs are going to make a trade, and we're going to have to do an emergency podcast. Subscribe to our podcast, by the way, if you if you like it. Leafs Hour, if you're just here for Leafs, or some days you don't have the time, and good show for the for the good people, the the real ones out there who who do have it, who do prioritize it, and do it even if you are a radio listener. It's just a nice move. Maybe you missed mm-hmm. the radio one day, but. We're going to have to do an emergency podcast guaranteed this weekend. So subscribe to those channels because we're going to do it if the Leafs make a trade. Uh, And it's going to be must listen either way. But if it happens at like 1130 tonight on a Friday night after we both imbibed, it's going to be be the Saturday morning podcast. (laughs) It's not a lot of excitement. I guess it's fine. (laughs) That'll be the pod. All right. Excited for them. We're going to ask Eric Francis pointedly when this trade is going to go down. Uh, he of Sportsnet joins us next. It's Good Joe Ben and it's JD Bunkus, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Hey, remember the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs? Remember them? They play again. Back in our lives on a rare Friday night affair. Sure, Friday night hockey for the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
At least they also play uh, tomorrow. Uh, against what used to be a, a red-hot Flames team until they got smashed by the Oilers. So Daryl Sutter is no longer infallible. Uh, let's talk to Eric Francis of Sportsnet, who's on the line right now. How's it going, Eric? I'm good, boys. How are you? Good. Was that you that tried to pull the you-know-when-Daryl-Sutter's-mom's-birthday-is-better-than-he-does move? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny that you heard that uh, because I was speaking to one of the other brothers about it. So mm. one of the brothers was lying, and uh, it was obviously it was the other brother that I talked to, the younger, dumber one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know you're an insider and you got scoops, but I didn't know. When you pulled that out, I was like, wow, this guy is plugged in. He's yeah. saying it's his mother's birthday, and Eric Francis says, actually, Daryl, uh, I know it's your mother, but uh, sources are saying that uh, your mother is, in fact, not uh, changing her date of birth for you. Uh, her birthday was yesterday. I loved it. I thought that was great. So That's we- pretty funny. We want the scoops today, man. We want to know what the, the scuttlebutt is outside of people's mother's birthdays. Also, I would like it if, you know, you remind me of my mom's because sometimes I do miss it. But where are we at in terms of just this market starting to move, man? Are, are, are you starting to hear that it's going to start to happen? Who, who are we waiting on outside of the Leafs? Uh, I believe the Leafs are going to be one of the only ones that are active at the deadline, to be honest. I you know, I, I was surprised that Kyle Dubas was so open about, you know, what his plans are and uh, pretty transparent there. And, uh, you know, no other GM in Canada has done that. And with the obvious obstacles in the way of making a deal, I, I, I just I, – for I can look at Calgary's example, for, you know, they, their lineup is – there's really – okay, every team in the league could get better. There's no doubt about it. But when you look at all the cap issues and – uh, you know, I, I just don't see it happening for a lot of teams. Like, I, I'm that guy who says, you know, I'm not really sure trade deadline coverage this year is going to be worth it uh, because <laughs> I just don't think there are going to be a lot of deals, especially north of the border. South of the border, maybe there'll be a little bit more movement. But So to answer your question, who are we waiting on? I don't know. And the only guy that's really linked to trade talks here in Calgary is Sam Bennett. And I think it's all bunk. I really think that it, I, you know, the, he came out. His agent came out, said he wanted a, a change of scenery, perhaps. Uh, I think management's talked to him. Daryl Sutter came in and said, we're going to give you a new title, new role. Uh, I always joke that it's like Woody uh, from Cheers. He, he wanted a new title. Nothing changes, but at least he feels more empowered, and that's what they've done to Sam Bennett under Daryl Sutter. So I don't think he, he needs to be traded either because he's the most obvious guy to be plucked from Seattle in the expansion draft. So they want to keep Sam Bennett for a lot of different reasons. Plus, the only time he plays good, is in the playoffs, so why trade him before then? So I don't see it happening for Calgary, and I don't see it happen for a lot of Canadian teams. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. And it was interesting to see how honest Dubas was because it's kind of been one of the hallmarks of his tenure that he he does when – every once in a while he'll open up to media and tell them their plans, whether it's the contracts to – to keep the the young forwards when he first became GM or now heading into this deadline saying, yeah, they want to add an impact forward essentially and that they're willing to sacrifice assets to do it. I don't see the other Canadian team that is buying. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think my real question with the rest of the Canadian teams is, could one of them turn into a seller, specifically Vancouver? Because I went over this with CJ the other day. They actually do have some players who could have some value and you might even be able to pivot and, and get some of that value or added value knowing that they don't have to quarantine if you do deal with a team like Calgary or you do deal with a team like Edmonton 
Do you think that Vancouver will ever be able to talk themselves into being sellers if things go, you know, pear-shaped over the next couple of weeks? It would have to go pretty sideways over the next couple of weeks, as you said, because, you know, as we get close to the deadline, um, it's got to be pretty definitive. You don't want to give up on your team before <laughs> before uh, their due date. So, uh, yes, it's a possibility for sure, because that alleviates a lot of the cross-border issues and quarantine issues. You know, I think Ottawa's also got you know, a couple of guys who could be handy elsewhere, a couple of veterans. Um, so they're, they're obviously in the mix too, to maybe help a Canadian team out. Um, so those are definitely two possibilities. I, I could see that, but you know, Vancouver is ahead of Calgary right now. Calgary's, That's what you know what, I think they're three. Yeah. Calgary's three points out. Vancouver's two. Um, you can't give up on a team like that. And they've been missing uh, Elias Pedersen too, for a little while. So uh, once he gets back, you think that their chances would be bolstered. So, uh, it's certainly a possibility, but it's a long shot because I think they're right in it still. And I still think they're a damn good team. The Canucks? I really do. I think the core of that team, the four building blocks they have are as good as anybody's. Uh, sure. uh, maybe not as good as anybody's, but the, you know the four guys that they're going to build their entire franchise around are pretty darn good. And I'll add Thatcher Demko to that. I think we're starting to see evidence that he could end up being you know, a real star goalie. And uh, I think they've got some really good pieces. I think... They got a little ahead of themselves last year in the playoffs. That was kind of bonus. Uh, and then everybody's expectations got high, and now they're considered a disappointment suddenly. They, nobody should consider them a disappointment to me. To me, they're right on their timeline to towards being a really good team. I don't know. I just kind of view them in a similar situation to the Raptors where it's like, okay, the future might still be bright and Pedersen comes back and it's it's not like you're going through another half decade of doldrums, but maybe this is an opportunity. Yeah, maybe this is an opportunity where your fan base will... Okay, I, I don't have my finger on the pulse of the Canucks fan base. But... I do. They're on Twitter every single day. <laughs> bitch, fine. I do. Oh my but maybe you view... Whatever fan base there is, and this is Canada, where every Twitter fan base is. Yeah. There is awful. You know who's good? Winnipeg. Jets fans. I don't ever see Winnipeg Jets fans on Twitter anywhere. Every once in a while they complain about being ignored, but maybe they, yeah, I don't know what the deal is, if it's just bad connections or bad internet service, but they're the best. I uh, Winnipeg Jets fans, kudos to you and, and your Twitter etiquette, but yes, no, Canucks fans are not happy with the, the team. Uh, I, I don't see them as a playoff team. I, I would pivot if I'm them. If I could get pieces yeah. of, I'm shopping around. It's just, yeah, you're right, Ben. I look at it in terms of the way of Hey, if you're a Canadian team and you're not going to make this, I would so much rather as a fan have you acquire ridiculously good assets from a Canadian team from one of your mm-hmm. rivals has an Hold overpay over at the deadline because they want to pick somebody up. And, and knowing that mm-hmm. Ottawa has nothing to offer anybody, that just seems right. like a real opportunity if one of these teams, whether it's Calgary and they're out of it or Vancouver and they're out of it, if, if they can do that, I don't think it's – it actually cushions the blow for me if I'm a fan. Totally agree if you're out of it. But, you know, yeah. they, they talk a lot about, you know, what kind of message does that send to your dressing room? They, they're, they're down there busting their humps, even though they're undermanned and maybe not as talented as a lot of other teams. They don't have the depth. Yet there they are one point out of a playoff spot. Like, I just don't know how you do that. Now, the flip side of that, guys, I, I think if there's a year where you're going to mail it in a little early, this would be the year to do it. It's a shortened season. It's kind of a lost season. And big thing is you're not losing out on playoff revenue, right? If you yep. if you don't make the playoffs this year, it's not the it's probably the best year ever to not make the playoffs because you're not missing out on a million and a half in in, uh, in profits with every home game that you have. So there's a bunch of things to weigh, but I think at the end of the day, a fan base, an owner, and team, you know, everybody's mad at you if you if you sell early, um, if you sell too early in people's minds because. 
if you don't get the perfect return, then you're going to hear about that for years, right? Mm, yeah, I guess. I just I think almost the downside in today's sports fandom climate is if you miss the playoffs and you don't get anything back at the deadline and there was no playoff revenue and your team looked like they weren't going to be in it for a long time those are things where all of a sudden you're you're accountable on all angles at least if you pick a if you pick a stream you pick a road you pick a lane i I just i prefer having that kind of a plan of attack and i don't really care what it says to the dressing room if the dressing room hasn't gotten me in a position where i'm in a playoff spot in one of the worst divisions in hockey and where there's only four, like where there was basically six teams and four of you were going to make the playoffs. I just don't have that as a big consideration. So yeah. it looks like the Leafs are trying to target guys from the old Pacific division. I follow's name has been bandied around. So is Raquel's. What do you think is a fair price for those guys? If you're Toronto? Oh God, I hate playing that game, man. I, I think Play that's it. a mugs game. I, I, <laughs> It's, hey, I, I guess what this, this is? This is a mug show, all right? This is a mug yeah. show, and it, this is what we do. <laughs> Listen, you two mugs. I will tell you this. I have follow these, these guys out on the West Coast that you guys probably don't see a lot in the East. Nope. Uh, these are some players, right? Like Raquel, I would argue he's their best player in Anaheim. I really would. But, uh, you know, he's he's a damn good player. He can score 35 goals in a regular season. And I think another guy like I follow is a would be a hell of a a, a player to land. Um, man, I think it's going to take a lot. And I know you're asking me what it would take, and I I, I can't play that game. I, I just think it's it's too hard to start talking about uh, what that marketplace looks like because it's a totally different marketplace than other years, right? Because you have fewer trading partners theoretically out there because of the all the constraints. Uh, I, I yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. But uh, I'll tell you that those are damn good players. Uh, so we got Leafs Flames tonight. We got Leafs Flames on Saturday. Uh, we basically know that Kyle Dubas isn't all that upset about the the current skid that they're in right now. Although the last two games were maybe two of their worst games of the season on the back to back against the Jets and against the Senators. I mean, if that continues though going forward, do you think there's there's anything that could happen here in the short term as we approach the the like fabricated deadline? Because I can't imagine the Leafs go all the way to the real deadline. Anything that could change Kyle Dubas's approach here? with these games coming up? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, they've got to get back on track. There's no question about it. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, you guys have had, what, a couple of days off here, and suddenly you're you're in a tie for first place. I don't think many people in Toronto saw that coming. Uh, you know, both Winnipeg and Edmonton have quietly gone about piecing together a pretty good record of late, and I think they're both pretty uh, formidable teams. And um, and they're both getting goaltending now, which is, uh, you know, no surprise that Hellebuck's kind of gotten better uh, as your reigning Vesna winner. But um, I think it's surprising to a lot of people that Mike Smith and, and uh, Koskinen have pieced together a pretty good run here for Edmonton because everyone thought that was going to be their biggest problem. Either way, you're, you're asking about the Leafs, and I'm going on about the teams in the West, but uh, I don't think anything – no. I, I, now, if you lose three or four or five in a row, and I know you guys know better than anyone – what that does to a marketplace and the pressure that adds to a GM to make something happen earlier. So yeah, they want to write this ship and boy, they, they mean, a, I don't know if they're, if it's fortuitous, they're playing the, the flames right now. Cause up until the last game, the flames were uh, looking like they were world beaters under Daryl Sutter. They certainly have a lot more swagger and confidence than they had earlier in the year. And they're going to be a tough opponent. Uh, so yeah, if the, if the Leafs lose a couple to the flames, and, uh, yeah, the pressure intensifies, and Dubis uh, is going to have to make a deal sooner rather than later. Eric, thank you very much yes. for the time. 
Appreciate it. Thanks for playing our mugs game. You won. You won the mugs game. Congratulations. You get a giant mug. Don't forget your mother's birthdays. I can send you a text if you want. I, I would appreciate that. I really like that. Thanks, buddy. See you, Eric. See you, boys. Cheers. See ya. There's uh, Eric Francis of Sportsnet, who knows uh, the matriarch Sutter's birthday. Congratulations. I don't even know what you're talking about. So, yeah, he I was missed just, that. Sorry, I should have said it. I know, really for the, the listeners I know as well. radio's not inside. I, I, you're always told that, but I was watching a media availability for Sutter because it's Daryl Sutter, and that's one of the joys of having him back in the league is he's right. one of the best guys. He puts the glasses on. He's got the notes in front of him. Yeah. He's ready to go through things. By the way, we have Brent Sutter on the show later today. Yeah. Brent. I enjoy watching his media availabilities. So I watched it, and it started off where he said he dedicated the win today to his mother because it was her birthday. And Eric goes, ah, excuse me, Daryl, but it's not her birthday today. It's yesterday. Or and he goes, uh, no, it's not. And then he laughed and said, are you sure? Or something like that. And, and I, I have... They have a great relationship, so it wasn't awkward whatsoever. But I did think it was hilarious that yeah. uh, that he went there. And especially <laughs> the second you're challenged on that, you just go, oh, sorry, I thought hey. it was such a good. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's the end of the discussion. So, yeah. That's the no, inside, that... that's your real inside in Calgary, if you know. Derek that's Sutter's confident in your person. sources. That's really oh, yeah. confident. Like, you have a copy of the birth certificate or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to bring that up is pretty ridiculous. Well done. Um, so one thing out of Eric. This is what makes it so hard for me when we're trying to project what's happening here. And Eric didn't want to play the mugs game, but we're the mugs and we'll play the game. He says that he doesn't think there's a bunch of Canadian teams that are going to be willing to pay these prices. I don't see it. I haven't heard anything. This is Canada, and we hear every single rumor about every single player in this division. I have yet to hear any other like half rumor other than maybe Vancouver do, does something with Tanner Pearson. Mm-hmm. That's the only guy, or maybe Ottawa with, I think, Zingle. They've got pretty much nothing in Ottawa. They're not really moving anybody. But buyers-wise, I have yet to hear one rumor about Edmonton looking to buy or Montreal looking to seriously Mm -hmm. buy. Montreal said the opposite. Right. It has not been a bunch of, well, all these Canadian teams are vying for these guys. So let's go south of the border. Who are the buyers? Boston, I guess, wants to Mm -hmm. buy? Mm Mm-hmm. Who, who else? Where is the long list of buyers that are out there? So even when it comes to the idea that a team like L.A. or a team like Anaheim would really try to squeeze Toronto knowing that they have to set the market and that they are already on record saying they'll give up a top prospect, I just don't know where you're going to get the other bidders, where are all the other sellers? I know, or sorry, buyers. There, there are going to be a few, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. That's how this sport works, and Eric said it. South of the border, there's going to be a little bit more. But he even said that it looks like it's going to be a more quiet deadline than years past. So what are we waiting for here? This is my biggest point of curiosity. If Kyle Dubas is willing to give you a top prospect for one of these guys that you know is not going to be on your team, 
How has it not happened already? Because I would think one of these sellers would be chomping at the bit, fearing the potential of he grabs... If you're Anaheim and you're L.A., whichever guy he decides to get here or actually acquires, it keeps feeling more and more like it's I follow. That, and I'm just basing this off of rumors and piecing together every single thing I read and every single thing I look at, but it feels like it's always, now it's come down to the situation where it's Granlund or it's I follow, and that the real upshot guy would be Raquel, but I'm not, I, I'm not predicting it's going to happen. Why wouldn't one of these GMs have already bitten and said, we're not risking this because we're, we're not getting, we're not holding the bag for a guy that's not going to be here or for a team that's not going to win when you're offering us guys of the caliber ilk of Nick Robertson? No chance. Well, well that's it. It's not just that, that there's a limited number of buyers, is that the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a zone where they're the most motivated buyer. They're like right. one of those Eastern Conference NBA teams like the Sixers who are – they've kicked the can. They've been close enough. They need to break through. And, in fact, if they don't – I mean, even without this trade, you would think that the Maple Leafs are more than able to get through a couple of rounds of this North Division. It won't be easy. But this is about getting through that third round and into a Stanley Cup Finals. But if it doesn't happen – like the pressure – we talked to Nick Kiprios the other day who brought up the idea of job security with Kyle Dubas. Is anyone going to push back to that if Kyle Dubas doesn't get out of the North Division with this team in this season after the five-game series loss to the Jackets a year ago? No series victories with this core with an Austin Matthews who at one point was on pace for 50 goals in a 56-game season? Mm-hmm. With a, a team that is people were comparing favorably to the Leafs teams of the early 90s? This is a team that has to acquire somebody. And in fact, their general manager in a media availability said that very thing. Now, if you think that he's bluffing, I guess. Uh, we've also talked to people who've dealt with him directly. He seems like a pretty honest fella, that he's not playing the game, that he's pretty straightforward and pretty honest. So, I mean, roll the dice if you want, but I don't think it's getting any better than the, the offers he's going to give you this week, this coming week. And it's only going to get worse the closer we get to the deadline. Yeah. This this would easily be the most fascinating portion of the Amazon series. Oh, man, I can't wait to, to watch that thing. And, yeah, it's, I it sucks that we have to wait until after the Stanley Cup parade and everything yeah. in, but in September. You really think it's going to be good? The Leafs, I have a hope. The Leafs ruined... I know. 24-7 for HBO. HBO said we have journalistic principles and we are not going to bend the knee constantly to you. You believe that the guy who is a Lou Lamorello disciple when it comes to the handling of media is all of a sudden going to say to Amazon and their web series, yes, you have full access to everything and this is not going to be essentially a puff piece. Did you ever see the one where it was the San Francisco Giants for MLB.com? No. Yeah, they had a version of this and it was exactly like you think it is, where it's a very favorable look and there's not a lot of drama and the drama they they decide on is the one that the team chooses. They have final say. So I shouldn't say it's going to suck. It'll be fun, especially if the Leafs win and maybe they let you in on a little bit more if the Leafs win, but I still have a hard time believing that an organization like this is really going to let you have a clean look at inside the organization. And yeah, I don't know. Didn't they do something like this not too long ago, a couple of years ago, inside the Leafs or something? There was a show. There was a show. Maybe it was a Habs show. 
Either way, one of the networks <laughs> ran it. Just telling you this happened. The Oilers, yeah, have uh, oil, oil change. change. Yeah, Is that oil what you're change. Asking? That was one. No, but there, there's been others. Anyways, oil change, very similar premise. Okay, so I think you're right. Hopefully the Leafs are not going up in price. I would just be fascinated to know what the logic is for some of these teams that are already being given the opportunity to grab what should probably already be an overpay by the Leafs, given all the considerations, and what your backup plan looks like if you're a team like the Anaheim Ducks and you want to sell Raquel. How you're going to be able to mimic a Leafs trade package Again, possibly I'm just not understanding the market well enough. Obviously, that's got to be a big part of this, but to me it looks kind of clear and obvious. Uh, So a special edition of something that you alerted to me, and I've seen bandied around, and I I really wanted to tie. So uh, a little surprise attack, but it's time for... Is this anything? All right. Uh, Two more points for a friend of the show. Because it was a great interview. Uh, Tyson Berry yesterday. And as you may have noticed, maybe you didn't, but I think everybody in this country is paying attention to this division, what's happening. He's a former Leaf. We always pay attention to former Leafs. Mm-hmm. Tyson Berry leading all NHL defensemen now with 30 points in 33 games on pace for a career season. He's got four goals. He's got 26 assists. <laughs> J.D. Bunkus, is this anything? It's something in the sense of it just reaffirms everything that Tyson Berry is. If that's as a hockey player, as a hockey player. Okay, he's got a bunch of points. Do you see anything coming out of Edmonton of what a steal it was to get Tyson Berry this season? Yeah, I actually read Mark Spector who had him and Paul Coffey in the same sentence. So, yes. Well, okay, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I have seen that actually. Thank you for asking. With that take, uh, no, he didn't. He he couched it, but no, and he said, "Hey, I know it's blasphemous, and this is not what I'm doing." But yeah, Paul Coffey, yeah, Gretzky had his coffee, like talking about uh, McDavid yeah. and Barry. Okay. <laughs> He's getting more points than he did last season. That makes sense because they're funneling him a lot of power play time with two of the most talented offensive players in the NHL, maybe two of the top three most offensive talent. Those They're incredible. Their power play is really good, and he's their power play quarterback. And he's got 12 power play assists. He's a second assist guy. This is what's happening. I, I just I don't know how you could look at it and say, wow, they've really – done something here. Tyson Berry's Tyson Berry. No one doesn't think, no one ever thought when he was here even, that he couldn't get you points by making a pass. But that's the that's the thing. That's the only thing the guy does. He makes a good pass. Every other part of the game is incomplete. There's a reason why the goals total is not high even still because, yeah, dude, he misses the net. That's his move. So to me, this is just, this is something in that it is perfectly indicative of why the Leafs did not make a mistake letting this guy walk. Uh, I love how you don't understand this game and you play it poorly. You said it's something because it's nothing. It's so, yeah. the nothing is something. No, you I, moron. I, say, I think I play it the best. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> this couldn't be the more this is like the definition in this game when I came up with this game this is the definition of it's nothing it's less than nothing I've never had this feeling in all of my years of watching professional sports and watching players who played for my favorite team go to another team and have more success than they had with my own team. Like, thats it's just never happened. Usually when you have, like, a Gio Urshela who you got for nothing and he did nothing but then goes to the New York Yankees and now is, like, their mainstay at third base mashing home runs on the daily and is part of their future and maybe he's going to win a World Series. So, I mean, you're furious. You're apoplectic. You're like, what the hell happened here? I can't imagine one single Maple Leaf fan looking at what Tyson Berry is doing with that Oilers team with the number of points, even if he wins a Norris freaking trophy, which is not out of the realm of possibility because that's how this trophy is handed out. It's nah, if you if you blow the world away with points and you're a defenseman, you get handed the Norris. Doesn't matter what you do on the other hundred feet of ice. I can't imagine one single Toronto Maple Leaf fan living through what we lived through last year and saying, yeah, I'd take Tyson Berry for free. Like, just throw him back into our, our, our sixth defenseman right now. Like, uh, yeah, give him Zach Bogosian's spot. Like, there is no scenario in which I would enjoy Tyson Berry back on this team. It could not be more the definition of nothing what Tyson Berry is doing with the Edmonton Oilers right now. He leads the NHL in secondary assists. Well done. <laughs> yeah, did you see one? Like, did you watch any of that game yesterday? Like, makes a yeah, pass but, up to Connor McDavid yeah. on a two-on-one, who like he has an incredible look off and fires it off the post and in. Well done, there you good assists. He's got twenty-four assists. Seventeen of them are secondary assists. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. I don't know why we calculate assists the way that we do, we uh, even on just regular pages. Of course not. It should be P. It it should be a one a two. I don't know why that's hard. No. Yeah. Sometimes the up. secondary assist is better than the primary assist. Mm. We can acknowledge that, mm. but it's kind of worth mentioning when it's that great a discrepancy between the two. What's going on here? But, like, this should be, I mean, it, it, I guess, speaks to the eye test thing, but it should be, hey, we traded Nazem Kadri, heart and soul player, we, yeah. and we got an anchor in return, a guy that we're just trying to move his money at the deadline for one year of Tyson Berry where he was a disaster. And then he goes to Edmonton, and he's leading this killer power play attack, and he's leading the NHL in points among defensemen. There should be more fury, but I haven't seen one tweet. Like, I haven't seen one take. I haven't seen one indication of anybody feeling even the slightest iota of not regret because we were obviously letting him walk but not one iota of where the hell was this last year like gotta no. tell you i got a breaking news Bre breaking news here's one is confirming news and one is breaking news confirmed news anthony stewart bad guy bad friend just oh, not Good teammate in some ways, horrible teammate in others. Sheldon Keefe has just said Alex Galchenyuk and Wayne Simmons will play tonight. Mm. Both guys in the lineup. Wayne Simmons is playing tonight. And mm -hmm. here Stewie is when we ask him saying he's close, he's close. Stewie, you couldn't have given us the, the, the tip 30 minutes before he gets announced he's going to play? 30 minutes. That's all we needed. 30 minutes. Couldn't break yeah. it with us. Bad guy, bad friend, bad teammate. 
Stand by it. Confirmed. Confirmed. Wayne Simmons back tonight. Very, very exciting. I, I've said it. You've said it. They were going to miss him when they lost him, and they clearly have. We've listened to guys on our panel, like Kevin Bieksa, discuss how guys are trying to manufacture energy because they're really missing it in the buildings right now. You feel it in a lot of these hockey games. A guy like Wayne Simmons brings you energy every single night. Brings energy to your bench, brings energy on the night, on the on the ice, and guess what? He can also still play. He's still an elite net front presence who is the toughest guy in this entire... Oh, actually, Lucic, but he's the second toughest guy in this entire division. I think he's tougher than Lucic. Ooh, buddy. I'm going to get the cheap pop. Sure, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm he's just honest that with f- the audience. I don't treat them like children. I don't, I, so am I. The truth. Uh, honestly, okay. all aboard the Wayne train. No, uh, he's going to be playing on true. that fourth you watch line. any other teams. I forgot. Uh, he's uh, on that fourth line. Like, How many fights has Lucic been in this year? It's like four. Buddy. He's dominating people. <laughs> Lucic is Have you seen, man. by the way, we, I, we haven't gotten to this, but yeah, there's been almost 200 fights in the NHL already to this point. Yeah. Good. Yeah, of course. Somebody good. asked Kyle Dubas about it at the media availability the other day. What do you think position fights have in the game? He's like, I just signed Wayne Simmons. What do you think? <laughs> Connect the dots. <laughs> His, Wayne Simmons' media availability was, ah, I'm here to punch people's faces in. So, yeah, uh, I, I think he's a fan. I think he understands the value and the entertainment. I know I certainly do. Yeah, give me 100 Wayne Simmons over one Tyson Berry. Friend of the show, though. Uh, Wayne Simmons on the fourth line with Pierre Engvall and Jason Spezza tonight. Maybe one day, the Indiana's brothers, five and two, both playing hockey. But as it stands uh, right now, uh, the heir apparent, uh, the greatest hockey family in the history of this country, the Sutters, obviously. Uh, Brent Sutter. Two-time Stanley Cup champion forward and former head coach of the Devils and Flames. Owner, GM, and head coach of the Red Deer Rebels. Kind enough to uh, join us on the line right now. Thanks for doing this, Brent. You bet, guys. So how surprised were you, or were you surprised? How much of a heads-up did you have that Daryl was was going to return to uh, coaching at the National Hockey League level? Well, he texted uh, about a half hour before they made the announcement uh, that evening. It was after their... I believe they'd won that night, and then they'd uh, they uh, made an announcement later later that night. And Daryl text a half hour before that, and just to say that he was going to be being going to be named the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. So, but you know, you heard rumblings about it for about a week. Uh, just you know, people talking and just some stuff being talked about on the radio and so forth, but. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the first time uh, that uh, he really knew about it. I loved the tweet that our friend Justin Bourne had, which was, they got to make a movie if they take the guy off the farm to lead the team to a Stanley Cup final. Right. It's got to happen. This is the movie rights. Who gets to play Who gets to play you? Who plays your brother? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure who that would be. Me, I don't know. I'm not sure who who they could find find to do that. So it was actually, you know, it's just some of the things that were being said about it. They were talking about they had to play. They Daryl couldn't go there because he had to quarantine for he had uh, for four, what is it, five, six days, whatever it was. So he missed a missed a couple games. 
There's a common made about where uh, they were after they played a period and the Flames weren't playing very good after the first period, and all of a sudden there's there's a common made that uh, that uh, oh the Flames must have found out that the farmer the farmer from Viking was driving with driving down on his combine highway to Calgary. They must have found that out, so they decided to pick their game up in the second third period. <laughs> I love it. And I got to be honest, that team just feels right when you guys yeah. are a part of them. It's just it's one of those things like, okay, yeah, well, this is a natural progression. Let's just get back to this place. All right, you had a couple of years break? All right, back to this whole thing. And I, I actually spent some time thinking about when you were coaching Calgary yesterday. We were preparing for this interview. I'm thinking about it back to it because it's trade deadline time and everybody's thinking about who's going to do what in the North Division. But you were a part of, I think, one of the biggest, if not the most recent massive Flames trade, especially when we're talking about with Toronto, yeah. and that was the FNUF deal. And yeah. when you guys got together to make that trade, like I remember the year before, so many of the Team Canada hockey ads before Vancouver involved Dion. He was one of the faces of this country with hockey. And, and I wonder yeah. what happened and how you guys came to that point where you said, wow, like we're not only going to trade this guy, but we're not going to get a stud back. Well, you know, to be quite honest, I, uh, I really didn't have much to do with that trade. Uh, uh, you know, you're coaching the team and, uh, you know, there was uh, a few whispers that were made the week leading into it. Um, but uh, to be quite honest, I, I had no idea that it was going to, you know, it was actually going to happen, and uh, you know, I like Dion. I I enjoyed coaching Dion. I coached him in junior, and uh, uh, you know, there was there was uh, no issue with me as far as Dion was concerned. So, uh, as be as a head coach, um, so you know, I found out about that day. Uh, Daryl was the GM, came into my coach room and said, "Da da da, we traded Dion. Da da da, we got this back. Da da da." And, uh, uh, and that was it, and that was kind of the end of it, and uh, and how it really came down. So, uh, what took place through the whole process leading up to that, I have no idea. I wasn't involved in a meeting um, uh, that involved any kind of trade with Neon or anything like that. So, I, it's a great question. I don't know the answer to it because I don't know anymore what I just told you. So. Um, uh, like I don't know if it had to do with contracts or I I have no idea. It was uh, it uh, you know it was something that from a coaches a coaching staff perspective that we were uh, we were told this was the deal and that was it. Well, one thing you've just revealed is that your brother is very cold when it comes to his communication with his head coach. He's coming back to the NHL. Hey, letting you know, letting you know right now that uh, we've (laughs) traded a top pairing defenseman from your room. You're like, wait, what? Uh, Okay, I guess we'll just roll with that punch. But because the word the word with Dion at the time was that he wasn't getting along with guys in the room, but at had you seen a slip in his play at that time? Because everyone here was so excited, and he was fine for Toronto. He really was. He was a captain. He put in a couple of seasons where he probably was yeah. asked to do a little bit too much. But again, before that, we thought we were looking at one of the next great Canadian blue liners, and then it just the pieces never really came together that way. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
you know, Dion was a good defenseman, like a very good defenseman for the Flames. Um, you know, and uh, I I didn't notice any issues at all in the dressing room with Dion um, at all. Dion was, uh, I knew Dion back from my news personality. I knew exactly what type of player he was. And obviously, he, he'd grown up from the time I coached him in junior to and matured a lot as a person uh, and a player uh, when I got to the National Hockey League to coach him. So, um, you know, I, I really don't know. And when I talk about leading into the trade, I just wasn't involved in any of the meetings that they had, uh, whether it was with, you know, with management and ownership. Uh, I had, uh, I, you know, I wasn't, uh, wasn't involved in that. So I, you know, again, you're hired to coach the team and you coach the players that are, that are, that are given to you. And, uh, and at that time, it was, uh, you know, again, like I said, there was a few whispers, but you, just, you didn't know if it was ever going to happen. And uh, my job was to continue to coach the, the players that you have and get the best out of them. And, um, you know, so what went down, why it went down, what occurred, why it had to happen, I have no idea. I don't have answers to that. And, uh, um, but, you know, and I, from a coaching perspective, uh, I didn't have uh, – any issues at all with you on uh, our relationship was great. Um, um, again, I, you know, it was, I don't know if it was a situation where, you know, the team, you know, we, you know, we were able to get stage and Hags, Hagman and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Jamal, um, you know, those were, you know, those were three guys that came into our dressing room and, uh, it gave us more depth on the team for sure. Uh, uh, but as far as Dion, Dion was—he was a good player for us. <laughs> he was—he was—he uh, was still a good player. He still had the booming shot. He still played hard, competed hard. Now, anything that occurred that might have been happening in the dressing room with himself and maybe his teammates stuff—I have no idea. I never noticed anything. Uh, I didn't see it in the room. I seen a well, you know, a real good group in the room. Um, so. Again, that's uh, you know, it's, it's, you're kind of ask, you're asking the wrong person why that took place because I haven't, you know, I I wouldn't know. Will you text you merge? Daryl? Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say, merge. can you get just merge call Daryl and then yeah, we'll merge the calls and we'll do like a yeah, you guys, just so you know, that's not gonna happen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a shot. <laughs> Threw it out there. Uh, talking I'm sure to he's not Sutter. busy right now. He's fine. No, he's, he's not fine. getting ready for the game tonight. He's okay. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you coached another uh, defenseman that uh, eventually became a Maple Leaf. In fact, as a current Maple Leaf, TJ Brody's first full season yeah. uh, was with you. Did you know what he would become? I really liked TJ as a defenseman when he came into, came into the Flames. You know, he's just a, a young guy coming out of junior. Uh, you could tell he had such a huge upside. Uh, pretty well what he is today is what you envision him to be as a player. Uh, you know, just a real good, solid skating, puck moving defenseman, smart player. Uh, you know, he's never going to be a uh, you know an overly aggressive guy or anything like that. But his hockey sense is going to make a lot of good. De- he's going to make a lot of good decisions on the ice, and and he can skate and he can move the puck, and he also is pretty darn good on the offensive blue line too because of his hockey sense. And uh, I, you know, you sense that as a young guy, but he was. But he was just young, right? He still had a lot of maturing to do as a, uh, and, you know, as to be a real good NHL player. And you know, when I had him, he was just coming out of junior. But there were so many traits there that you looked at and said, "My God, this guy's going to be a, 
a very good defenseman in the NHL, just real solid. And, and the other thing, you, the game was changing, right? Like, you you know, you, you needed to have those really good puck-moving defensemen to go back quickly to get pucks, uh, um, just make smart plays, advance the puck. Uh, and TJ brought all those traits. He just had to get a little bit stronger. And uh, and he's done that, obviously, and he's matured as a player. And, and you know, he's, he's, he's played he's played extremely well for the Maple Leafs, and it's been fun watching him. Yeah, he's a leader, too. Everyone yeah, that he asks well, privately just... Well, you notice that with him, right? Yeah. So his personality is just a... You know, he's such an awesome, awesome guy and uh, very, very well liked in the dressing room. And, uh, you know, and just as you go on in years and you're productive, you know, you get respect right in the room. And uh, he's a, he's a well-respected player. Yeah. Again, before he – once the trade was consummated, I texted a bunch of his teammates, former teammates, and – it was all off the record, and every single one of them came back with just glowing reviews about his leadership, and it really does seem like he is the type of guy who is quiet, who picks his spots, but mm-hmm. when he speaks, people listen. Like, yeah, Kerry's, uh, what is it, uh, move softly, carry a big stick kind of guy, that seems to yeah. be his M.O. all the way through, and, and guys really do seem to respect that, especially since he does it. He brings it every single night. So you mentioned it, that you know, you're coaching the team, and that at your time in Calgary where that was a busy year, you guys made a ton of deals that season. Yeah. Is that the way that you liked it? Because you came from Jersey where you're working with Lou Lamorello. I think the big trade you guys made while you were there was getting Bryce Salvador. He basically stood pat at the deadline time. But did you find that like, hey, we are trying to keep things very compartmentalized. We don't want to have any type of buzz at the deadline or anybody to be distracted that way. And a, and a coach's responsibility is to not be involved. Or would you have liked it a little bit more where the GMs, you know, your brother or Lou, are consulting you on what you think the team needs privately and saying, hey, if there's this type of player, this is what we need to go out and address? Well, you know, the conversations were, um, you know, with Lou and Lou and Daryl were the same. It was just as far as discussing your team and stuff. But, you know, we with Lou, you know, it was a lot of the focal point with Lou wasn't always about change. It was about making the group better what can we do to make the group better because the reality of it all is you have 30 teams now you have 31 then show every team has their own issues and their own problems right and it's just how you deal with them and and whether you know and first first and foremost you try to deal with them internally and whatever issues there may be so every team has issues like it's not like teams go throughout the whole year and there isn't some kind of issue that occurs or something happens where you know it's just it's just the makeup of a of a hockey team of a group of players and your staff and you know everything involved so every team's going to have some problems and it's just whether it's through you know, you go through some adversity when you're not you're not winning or whatever it may be because it's a long year and uh, you're going to go through some some peaks and valleys throughout the year and uh, it's just how you handle all of it and 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 it was just it, the mindset was just different in New Jersey. It wasn't like, well, let's go, let's go, you know, let's make a big splash or let's do this. No, we we believed in the group. We we just kept working with them, and it gave the group confidence inside that knowing that hey, we can work through this, and uh, and then we can add a key piece when we need to add it, which we added by Salvador, and uh, so that that mindset was different. But 
got to understand, too, that group that we had in New Jersey, there was players on that team that won, had won Stanley Cups with the New Jersey Devils, right? So it was a unique group. It was an awesome group of for a young coach for like myself to come in there because I learned a lot from them, too, and being a professional coach and coaching guys that want Stanley. You know, coach, I want to Stanley Cups a player, but coaching guys, and I understood their way of thinking and, and coaching those guys. And the communication line between players and coaches was outstanding. Um you know, and, and, you know, just, you know, you go talk to your players about everything, and the players were awesome. And uh, and Calgary, it's just every team is different, right? Calgary, the way they, they, way, the way they looked at things, uh, they just looked at things a little different from a management's perspective and the things like that. Yet, at the end of the day, it's what each organization thinks is what's right for them to do at that point in time. And uh, so... You know, it was a little different for sure in Calgary than it was in New Jersey, but I didn't. It's not like I didn't expect that because uh, not not every organization is the same. So, um, and the way they look at things, and the way you go about things, and so forth, so forth. And uh, you know, lose a very, as you guys know, lose in Toronto, and you know, lose very. You know, we keep things. Nothing gets out. It's just a. Nope. You know, it's you keep things internally, and and I like personally. I love it like that. Sure. I I. From my perspective, it. It, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and yet from my perspective, I really liked it. everything. Stood internally, what you know, you dealt with your issues inside. You got you know whatever, whatever you maybe maybe had to do, um, and people on the outside didn't need to know about it. And and I like I like being part of it like that because to me that gives your group a lot of confidence, knowing uh, that you can. You know, if things don't have to get out, you know, because something happens, all of a sudden it's out. Because you know what it's like, right? It gets out and all of a sudden it goes from, you know, from being nothing to being such a big deal. It never was a big deal, right? And, uh, uh, but, you know, every, it's just different. Like timing is different on every, like throughout a year, the timing of situations are different. Uh, in Calgary that year, yeah, we made changes throughout the year, but, you know, we were a team that's, was we had to get younger, you know, it was an older group of guys and, and, uh, you know, there had to be some change and Daryl tried to bring in some more skill and, uh, uh, tried to add to the group and, uh, you know, and so, you know, it was, it, it just, it was just two different whole timing of what two organizations where they were at at that point in time. Talking to Brent Sauter. Uh So, yeah, we got Leafs-Flames tonight. Uh, Flames coming off another incredible battle of Alberta. Although the last game wasn't all that competitive. But, yeah, uh, some great games between those two teams this season. I mean, from my perspective, the North Division, the Canadian Division, rousing success. Apparently it's going to be one year. I mean, what do you think it's it's done for hockey in this country, having all these teams face each other every day? Well, let's, the way I look at this, it's the first time it's happened, and... The saddest part about it all is the fans aren't in the building to see this. Because I can you imagine if these buildings were full of people and this was happening? I mean, the excitement in and it is always exciting for inter hockey and everything like that. But to play each other as many times these teams are playing each other, it would be a buzz, right? And uh, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, I keep crossing my fingers that they might do it for another year just to see what it's like because I, I truly would love to, as a fan, would love to see 
it happen when you can actually have people in the seats. And, uh, you know, as you know, in the Toronto Maple Police and Montreal Canadiens travel across the country, buildings are full with the types of jerseys on, right, with those teams' jerseys on in the buildings. It doesn't matter where they play. And, um, but to have the rivalries that the Hall, the Canadian teams would, would form with each other, uh, would be amazing, truly amazing. Whether that would, whether we're going to see that or not, and it's, you know, right now it sounds like it's highly unlikely. But as a fan, I would, I would love to see it when it's actually normal times where you can actually have people in the buildings and the hype and all that stuff. It'd be pretty exciting. So it's been pretty cool to see this. Obviously, because part of it is because it's different, right? And uh, and it's all within our own country. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see it as well, but uh, not getting that indication at the moment. Brent, uh, this no. was great. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks. Yeah, you bet, guys. Talk okay, to right. you. Give, give our best yeah. to Daryl. You bet. Um, yeah, I will. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Brent Sutter uh, did not take the bait in trying to put Daryl on the line with us. It's a shame. Maybe next time. Maybe it'll be Although, it kind of worked even better because it seemed like for a half second he thought maybe we were serious. and so Yeah, yeah he's like, all right, I'll tell you. Like, <laughs> later today he's going to be texting Daryl and be like, Ben and JD, say hello. Okay, yeah. great. God, I don't want that to be real. <laughs> Absolutely I do. Uh, those media availabilities. Imagine that you're working that closely with your brother. You're the coach. He's the GM. He's coming in telling you the day of. He worked yeah. with his brother and Lou Lamorello. I know. Not exactly. He he said, I like working in the organizations where not a lot gets out. Yeah, yeah. That's very clear. That's that's, that's uh, kind of the hallmark of those two places. I would have liked to have gotten a story of when, if even a guy like that ever feared Lou Lamorello. Like how how deep the fear runs. I don't know if Can you remember you how he scared? left. Like I, I bet you afterwards it was not too buddy buddy yeah. yeah, when he shame. left for family reasons. Those family reasons were I'm gonna go coach under my brother and I Calgary. think that's kind of a pretty well established. There's certain things you get to do in pro sports. There's certain jobs you get to always leave for, and there really isn't any any animosity. And I think that's pretty clearly one of them. I would agree. I don't have a brother though, so I'll never know. Yep. Maybe maybe my sister will uh, will own a radio station, and I'll have to leave this one. <laughs> God, we can only hope. <laughs> you hope can stay here, though. Different country. I go. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what? Have a great Makes weekend, you get everybody. A station in Budapest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, enjoy the tournament. Best of oh, luck yeah. on on your brackets. Are out. Hope they don't get uh, busted up. Uh, we'll be back uh, on Monday. Uh, and uh, we'll give you uh, JD's Venmo so that you can get him out of uh, extreme debt after this weekend. Bye-bye.